Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. This is The Sporting Life on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Here's Jeremy Schaap. It is a pleasure to welcome back to the show one of our favorite and most frequent guests, man who used to run the Jets and the Dolphins, Mike Tannenbaum. Mike, thank you for being with us. It's good to be with you, Jeremy, and hope you and your family are safe and uh, uh, doing as well as possible. Thank you, sir. Same same for you and your family. Um, you know, this is going to be obviously very different. It is in, uh, I guess we're calling it a virtual draft. Uh, you know, the, there's, there's no central meeting place. Uh, picks are being made from the homes, I guess, of executives. I, I imagine some are probably going to the office too. I, I don't know the exact details. What, what are your, what are you hearing from your former colleagues and counterparts about how all of this is going to work and what concerns they might have? Yeah, I think everyone feels like within reason they'll be able to make the picks. I think where it gets a little bit more complicated is with trades because with trades, you know, typically, Jeremy, you're you're dealing with the team below you or in front of you, and you're having multiple conversations at the same time. So I think to the extent that trades will feel a little bit different this year, I think that's where people are probably the most uh, hung up. What about the technology? I mean, there must be concerns, you know, it seems like whenever you expect something to work a certain way, and especially when you're doing it the first time, there are going to be glitches and there could be major consequences, right? If if the technology, whatever, the cell phones aren't working right or the communication between the league and the teams, Goodell, who I guess will be at home in suburban New York. I, I mean, there must be some uh, trepidations out there, I would imagine. You know, there certainly is. And, and that's why there's going to be uh, multiple layers here, Jeremy, in terms of they're going to have a phone as well as video conferencing. So and I also think what you're hearing from the league, the league is understandably usually fastidious when it comes to rules and deadlines, but I think they're going to have a lot more just common sense in terms of if someone, if a line drops or if the video conferencing goes out for whatever reason that they'll, they'll allow a team to make a pick because Typically, if you don't make your pick within the allotted time, then the next team can jump in front of you. But no, nobody wants to see that happen this year, especially just given the fact that a lot of these decision makers will be from their homes and not, you know, not all IT situations are created the same. We're speaking with Mike Tannenbaum. He is the former executive vice president of football operations for the Dolphins, general manager of the New York Jets, and now an ESPN commentator. And I'm sure you're talking again to a lot of uh, executives around the league, you know, in just, um, general terms, Mike, how is this going to, how is this going to work? I mean, you said they're going to have phone lines, obviously they're going to have video, but you know, if you're the guy, um, making the decision in that moment, you got to make the pick and you've got scouts and you've got coaches. And I mean, I know everybody has a different kind of draft room. How are they going to manage all just the communications when they're making those calls? Yeah, I think what, we're, what you're going to see a lot of this year, and, and candidly, a lot of this was done, you know, even in, in normal times, everything will be prepackaged, which is you, you have a pretty good sense to say, hey, if we, if we have these four players on the board and we don't make a trade, let's decide ahead of time, here are the four we're going to take in exactly what order. So just in case something happens and, again, you know, we lose a line, the video conferencing goes out, 
we will we will have our decisions literally prepackaged. And then if something really, really weird would happen and those four players are gone for whatever reason, you know, then ultimately the general manager just has to pull the trigger and, you know, as the steward of the franchise, do what's best. But I think you'll you'll see, you know, you'll have teams say, Hey, we're gonna go with these four guys, these five guys in this order. Mm. I, I think there are probably a lot of people out there who are going to be watching the draft who who are in some, at some part of them, you know, for the amusement factor, are hoping to see some kind of a glitch. <laughs> when you're watching, are you expecting to see something like that happen? I, I think when it's all said and done, something will happen somewhere along the lines that, you know, two teams will call in the same player or, it, I mean, look, if, if if it all goes perfect, then let, let's tip our hat to the league and more, people, more importantly to the great IT people, but at some point, you know, some, some player may get a call from two teams. It just seems like over the course of three days and seven rounds, you know, something could happen. I have to say, Mike, many, many years ago, I was the host of a draft, um, not on ESPN. Uh, it was on the internet. I, it was the initial Israel baseball league draft. I think it was the only Israel baseball league draft. And Dan Duquette was in charge of the league and we were doing it, I think from Cardozo Law School in downtown New York. And it was all done, uh, you know, over the internet and he drafted for all the teams, which is a different situation. Uh, um, I don't really know what I was saying other than I wanted to bring up the old Israel Baseball League virtual draft. It has been done before, but it was a less complicated situation and, dare I say, uh, less consequential. Uh, we had Jim Nagy on the show earlier, and he was saying that he thinks this is a great draft. Um, and he also said that he thinks you can get players in the second and third round. It's a special draft in the sense that the the separation between the players who are going to be available in the second and the third rounds is not that great from the players available in the first round. How do you feel about that assessment? I think that's true at certain positions. I think it falls off quickly at corner, for example. I think it falls off quickly at uh, pass rush. But as it relates to, let's say, receiver or running back, I think that's pretty much true. So um, I think we're going to see a lot of strategy. I think we're going to see a lot of really, really good receivers go um, you know, in the second, third round, guys that could come in and play. And I think that's why you go back to veteran free agency, Jeremy, and we saw a lot of receivers, you know, not get what they wanted because teams are looking at this year's receivers say, like, we, we could help ourselves, you know, later on. When you were, you know, making these calls yourself, Mike, and you were assessing talent at the receiver position, uh, you know, uh, there are obvious factors that weigh into any kind of decision like that. But what were the things that were most important to you? Well, I think it came down to really just a couple of fundamental things, uh, talent and character. And one sets before, meaning your baseline talent, like how good of a player are you? And then the character sets the ceiling, meaning how hard are you going to work? Will you avail yourself to resources to make yourself the best player possible? And the more you could have a high floor and a high ceiling, that was out, you know, obviously the best case scenario. But I think this year what we're going to see in particular is I believe we're going to see a lot of high floor players, meaning players that aren't risky, players that should, for whatever reason, have at least a solid B career, come from big schools, um, and you don't have to project a lot because not being able to get your hands on these players as much as you typically can, I think is going to lead to a little bit more conservative 
sort of decision making. So it really benefits uh, those players who are on national TV every week playing at big programs, is what you're saying. And the small school guys, um, this this is not a good situation for them. Correct. And I think for players like Tua, who have an unusual uh, situation with their injury and doctors not being able to examine the player, I think it's going to hurt him in particular. Mm. Even with all the other ways that you can assess that and, and all the other ways they're trying, if if they can't have their own doctors, it, it's just another question mark that doesn't get answered, and so it affects it. I mean, that all makes sense. Yeah, and, and, and again, because you're, you're dealing with such consequential decision-making um, in terms of taking that player in the top five, I think this year that injury in particular is going to be hard to – draft that player so high. We're speaking with Mike Tannenbaum, formerly the general manager of the Jets and the head of football operations with Miami Dolphins. More than two decades in the NFL, now an ESPN commentator as the draft approaches Thursday night. We talked about this earlier in the show as well, Mike, the the talent versus character equation. And, and talent is much easier to assess, obviously. When you talk about character and when you talk about adaptability, um, to the situations one faces as a professional athlete in the team environment, um, you know, everything else. Uh, how, do, how do you come to decisions as an executive that you feel comfortable with assessing those things when, you know, it, so much of it has to be guesswork? Yeah, um, I think character ultimately in life, Jeremy, comes down to how you treat people that can't help you. Hmm. How do you treat the waiter, the waitress, the bus driver, the cab driver? And when you're with a team, you work really, really hard to try to figure that out. So that's the part that um, you spend a lot of time with. You, you rely on your area scouts. I was in an interesting situation going back to 2016 where Laramie Tunsil had a video that came out shortly before the draft. He had obviously hit a bump in the road. Right. And we, we, we relied on his character from uh, his area, the, the area scouts report. It was very good. And he was a good person that had made a mistake. We drafted him. He was the best player talent-wise. Refresh my memory, Mike. I I remember vaguely a Tunsil video. What was it? So he was smoking uh, with a gas mask on, and um, it just looked awful. At the time, the optics was terrible, and um, you know a lot of teams were scared away to draft the player, even though he was was the best player on our board. He was the best player on many teams' boards, and um, it became a great opportunity for us. He fell all the way to 13, and we got literally the best player on the board at 13 without making a trade. Who's the guy out there this year that, um, as an evaluator of football talent, you're excited about who falls into kind of the sleeper category? Well, I don't know if he's a sleeper anymore, but uh, Isaiah Simmons, because, you know, Jeremy, we talk a lot about how there's like positionless players now on offense, someone like Debo Samuel or even Tyreek Hill, Christian McCaffrey to a certain extent, those are positionless players on the offensive side of the ball. I think Isaiah Simmons could be that on defense. He's such a good athlete. He can move around so much. Um, I think he's a guy that really could play um, a number of positions, so I can't wait to see what he looks like at the next level. Well, what, what, where does he end up spending most of his time lining up, though? The, the Isaiah Simmons, the great player out of Clemson. I think he'll start off probably at, at safety, but athletically he could do so much. He could walk out and cover receivers man-to-man. He can blitz. He can play in the box. Um, there's there's very few people like him, if at all, and uh, he, he's he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And I know you know just being around some 
really creative defensive coaches, people like ESPN's Rex Ryan or Eric Mangini. Every day, every week, that game plan could look a little bit different. And um, I, I'm really, uh, I'm really excited to see what he could do as a pro player. Well, it's going to be an interesting draft in many respects, Mike. We always appreciate your insights here on the show. Thanks for taking the time for us. Okay, thanks so much for having me. I'm Jeremy Schapp. And you can listen to new editions of The Sporting Life every Saturday and Sunday morning on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app, beginning at 6 a.m. Eastern Time.